Hey there, this is AJ. I'm so glad you've joined us today on Faith for My Generation podcast. I want to remind you that our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word, and our mission is to create a resource of teachings that build strong faith in God. You know, that really is my prayer, that as you hear this message today, that the power of God's Word, anointed by the Holy Spirit, will stir up your most holy faith in Him so that you can be a light and a witness and a testimony of the living God in this earth. I pray that this message will richly bless you and increase you in spirit, soul, and in body. Now, let's get to the message. Good afternoon. How's everyone doing so far? Good to see you jumping on. I see Ms. Shirley Nance, Ms. Maddie McDonald. Glad to have you on so far today. Thankful for you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We've got you over here on Facebook and YouTube and Instagram here on the old mobile device. I'm excited. Today's Wednesday, middle of the week. Good day to study the Bible. What's, the, what's not a good day to study the Bible? I think every day is an excellent day to study the Bible. Amen? <laughs> but I see you jumping on. As you're getting on the broadcast, do me a favor. Go ahead and like and share. I'm going to turn fix Instagram here and make this a little bit more appealing as you're watching. Hey, Mr. Donnie, glad to have you. I see Donnie Kennedy is watching. I see it. As you're jumping on, go ahead and share the broadcast to your to your Facebook feed. Let all your Facebook friends get in on the action as we study the Word of God today. Uh, we're going to be talking about hurdles to answered prayer. Of course, we're in this series, When You Pray. And man, I've, I've been so blessed by it. I hope you have as well. Hey, Dad, good to see you. Uh, I've been so blessed doing these teachings. Uh, they've been wonderful, in my opinion. <laughs> Some people might think the uh, the purveyor of the knowledge uh, or limited knowledge may not have been as wonderful as could be. But I, I, hey, I do my best. But man, the information, I've been so blessed. Hey, Miss Mary Jo, hope you're doing well. Good to see you. Uh, virtually, of course. Uh, I've been blessed just studying all these topics, these subtopics, I guess you might say, are these individual parts of prayer. Um, I want to be a master student in the, in the school of prayer. You know, I, Andrew Murray, mighty man of God, which by the way, let me reach and get it. As if When you share the broadcast, I'm going to be able to see who shares over the course of the week. And this Friday, I'm giving out the second copy of this book, Abide in Christ by Andrew Murray. It's a powerful, powerful book written by a mighty man of God. He was a mighty pastor, an evangelist, and a writing author in South Africa. Uh, He was a Dutch Reformed Presbyterian man who got filled with the Holy Ghost and learned about divine healing and just went all out in the full gospel teaching of the Word of God. And He was a master student of prayer and sat at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, truly, uh, through His Word and by the Holy Spirit and taught on prayer and wrote so many powerful books. You can actually see, if you see over here, I've got another one, uh, Holiest of All by Andrew Murray. And I'm going through that right now as a devotion. It goes through the entire book, verse by verse, of the book of Hebrews. And and whenever he writes, hey, Miss Sarah, good to see you on Facebook. Whenever he writes, it's so devotional. Uh, It's just so easy. And he, he intentionally did it this way. This book here is divided up into 31 chapters so that you could read one chapter a day. And he did this for his people in his church congregation because many of them were farmers. 
And you know, during harvest time, they work nonstop for three, four weeks, five weeks at a time. Hey, Suzanne, hope you're having a good day. Good to see you on Facebook. And they may, I mean, they may be working around the clock, especially if bad weather was coming or if it begins to rain during harvest, they got to get those crops in before they mildew or bust or, you know, whatever might damage might come to it. So he wanted to give, and they, on top of that, they're not just hopping in the car like you and I are blessed to do and drive down the road and be at church and come and enjoy church and then get in our car and drive home and you know, we're done. I mean, they're getting in carriage. They're on horseback. Many are walking. Uh, so you imagine a little bit of snow here stopped us. Imagine, I don't know if it snows in South Africa. I, th I feel like it's pretty warm there. But imagine some very, very bad weather. It may stop some people from getting in the house of God. So he would take these topics, one of them abide in Christ, and he would write it up in a book form and he would give it to the people of his church so that it, that every single day they would have something to get from, if you will, his pulpit, from his study, from his teaching, as he's called to do as a pastor, and give it to them so that they could take it bite-sized bite pieces every day. Anyway, I, maybe I've sold you on it already. You want to get in on the drawing for it? Share the broadcast. I'm enticing you to share the broadcast. All right, well, we've got a great crowd so far on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get started. Let's go ahead and get started. We're turning. Can anyone guess where we're going to begin? Maybe the same place we've began seven times in a row. <laughs> we're going to start in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Matthew 6, verse 5. As we begin every other session, we're going to begin at the same place. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Man, I'm excited about today. I am. Matthew 6, verse 5. Of course, we remind ourselves each time. I like to remind myself each time when I'm going to this passage. Uh, we talked about it Friday of last week. Jesus taught the model prayer, the disciples' prayer, what some people call the Lord's Prayer. But you and I, we don't call it the Lord's Prayer because it's not. The Lord's Prayer is John 17, when the Lord prayed for us. The disciples' prayer, the model prayer, Matthew 6, 9-13, through 13, Jesus teaches the disciples how to pray. Hey, Miss Barbara, hope you're doing well today. Now, why did he teach them how to pray? Because they asked him. You know, that's powerful. I know that might, you might, well, yeah, of course, they asked him. But what you ask of the Lord, he'll do it. He'll do it. He'll teach you. And I'm thankful for that, that I'm not alone in this life, you know, knowing that I serve the Almighty God, but I don't have connection or access to him. No. I serve the Almighty God, and He's my Father, and I can call out to Him, and He will, Jeremiah 33, 3, show me great and mighty things. He will give me wisdom. He will give me instruction. And so Jesus, He exampled that. You ask the Lord for wisdom, He'll teach you. You want to learn, the Lord will teach you. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, we begin. And when you pray... You shall not be like the hypocrites, the fakers, the pretenders, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. And what a worthless reward they have. Simply to be doted upon by men. Oh, aren't they so holy? 
they're out in the middle of the street praying. Oh, they're just so, oh, you know, you know, Jehoshaphat, he's so holy. He was a pretty good king. But, you know, this is later in the day. Uh, oh, you know, uh, Abner, he wasn't, he's so holy. He's on the corner side just praying for all of us to hear. Isn't that so wonderful? Uh, worthless reward. We don't want that reward. We want a true, godly, heavenly reward. Verse 6, but when you pray, have you figured out where I've gotten the title from this series yet? <laughs> but when you pray, go into your room, and when you shut your door, pray to your Father, who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. And then, of course, Mark 11, verse 24, another powerful teaching on prayer and a powerful prayer promise that I would encourage you to pray all the time. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. When you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. That's powerful, isn't it? I mean, that's massive. Uh, it, it should not be. It should not be a Christian, a believer's. Hey, Pastor Ronnie, good to have you on, man. Hope you're doing well. Love, love seeing those pictures of that wonderful house you built. That, that wood stove looked very, very warm the other day. Perfect, perfect thing to have when the snow's falling. That's a powerful promise, and it should not be the, the inclination, the, the first thing a Christian should not do when they hear a, a passage in the Scripture that is so miraculous and so powerful to be, well, you know, that's just too good to be true. No, truly, when you pray, whatever you ask, notice that, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them, and you'll have them. Whatever things you ask. You know, I was talking to some folks. It's actually on an online board, a theological debate type thing, you know, when I feel like I have some time to burn, because that's really all it is, is burning time when you're arguing things. <laughs> but every now and then I like to argue and reason and debate somewhat to a degree. Uh, but, you know, only when there's a little bit of free time, because you don't really get anywhere with people, right? Someone convinced, what is it? What's the saying? A man convinced against his own will is of the same opinion still. So even if you might win the argument, did you really do anything effectual? But anyways, so I post this powerful John 16, 23, and there's this note in the Dake Annotated Reference Bible, fine mistake, mighty man of God who put together this annotated reference Bible uh, from full gospel charismatic uh, theology. And he makes this point how that the John 16, 23 that Jesus said, in that, you know, up to this point, you've not asked anything in my name. But in that day, you ask in my name to the Father, and he'll give you whatever you ask. Well, brother, you know, I mean, I know it says whatever you ask, but you've got to understand it's not anything you ask. What if you ask for something sinful? Jesus is talking to believers, Christians. I'm not asking for sinful things. That shouldn't be the first inclination. That shouldn't be the first thing that believers pull to. 
It just shouldn't. It should be that you and I, when we hear the truths of the Word of God, though they be miraculous, supernatural, above our understanding naturally, we have to say, I agree. Amen. Whatever I ask, Lord, I agree. Because I want what you want, Lord. I desire to have what you desire. And we can live in that place. After all, His Spirit's in us. He has recreated our heart and we diligently renew our mind to the Word of God so that when we go before the Lord, we're asking His will. We're desiring His will. And truly, whatever you ask, when you pray, believe you receive them. That's just an intro, an aside. Today I want to talk about hurdles to answered prayer. Think about what a hurdle is. If you've ever seen track, I know I know Greg in our, our church here at Gospel Tabernacle, who's the head host, and he does so many other things around the uh, church and all around, just great guy. But Greg ran track in high school. Uh, I don't know exactly what his uh, competition was that he ran, because there's different kinds, but there's hurdle jumping in, in track and field, right? And what are those hurdles? There are these, there, there's these uh, obstructions, if you will, these these like a pedestal, to me it looks like a sawhorse, right? But but it, it, a little bit shaped, a little bit different, but about waist height. And these folks, these guys and these gals, they run as fast as they can and they jump over these hurdles. Now, even though they do it at an Olympic speed, hey, Mr. Toby, that's all right, keep working. We got to make the money. All right. Even though they're running at an Olympic speed, they still could run faster if the hurdles weren't there, couldn't they? And now, Lord forbid me do it, try and do it. I might be able to walk on on one and lift up over it and go around, but I'm not going to be able to just take off like a runner and just bust through those hurdles as fast as possible. No, not without any training. And even then, I mean, you know, I would probably never be up to the level and speed these people that are 10 years younger than me that that are running these things. But imagine this. What if... There's hurdles in your prayer life. Why have something to jump over? Why have something to work around? Why not just remove all the hurdles? Why not just remove all the hurdles and be able to run fast? Now, uh, let's go ahead and begin in this first one I want you to see. Number one, Learning about the first, I want you to type this in the comment section. The first one, the first hurdle that I see, and this this is going to hit home for me, and I'm going to give you a testimony on it, but the first hurdle that I see to answered prayer is learning about prayer, but not praying. I want you to write that in the comment section. I want you to write, learning about prayer, but not praying. Learning about prayer, but not praying. Learning about prayer, but not praying. James 5, verse 16. Learning about prayer, but not praying. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Confess your trespasses to one another, And pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Hey, Miss Sharon, good to see you on Facebook. 
the effective, fervent prayer or supplication of a righteous man avails much. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man, a righteous woman, does a great deal of good, has a whole lot of power. Your prayers have powers if you pray. Learning about prayer but not praying. I'm going to share a testimony with you. I looked up the date last night. I vividly remember this taking place. Uh, Laura and I, we were living in our first home that we were renting at that time at Granny Apple in Inner East, South Carolina, on Granny Apple Road, where the old Granny Apple Orchard used to be. And we were, I was sleeping. It was a Tuesday morning. I know this. I confirmed the time because I vividly remember it was July 14th. And I looked up the year. I couldn't remember the year yesterday. If I was Brother Hagen, I could remember down to the second of when it happened. But I could not remember the year. So I looked up on the calendar, and it was 2015. In 2015, July 14th, 2015, on a Tuesday. I remember that day, and I'll tell you in a minute why I remember that day, but let me get to the testimony. I was sleeping. Obviously, it was time to sleep. It was early in the morning. And the Lord spoke to me. The Lord spoke to me, and he woke me up. Was it an audible voice, AJ? It was not. It was a voice that he spoke to my spirit. And I could get in on that, and it could be a long discussion, but really when it comes right down to it, God is a spirit, so why shouldn't he speak to your spirit? Can he speak audibly? Yes. But he actually has to speak to the natural man, which is a further extension out from your spirit. Anyways, God spoke to my spirit. That's making me feel better if someone else heard God's audible voice, right? That's, that's me making myself feel better. God spoke to my spirit and he woke me up. And the Holy Spirit told me, or he lovingly, kindly, wonderfully rebuked me. Yeah, he rebuked me. <laughs> and the Lord, the Holy Spirit asked me this question. He said, are you going to read about prayer? At that time, I was reading a book or two about prayer. Are you going to read about prayer and listen to people talk about prayer? Our pastor was teaching on prayer. I remember the name of the title, With Christ in the School of Prayer. It was the second, that Sunday, two days prior, he had taught the second sermon in that series, With Christ in the School of Prayer. He was actually teaching on the Lord, on the model prayer. Not the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer. It's ingrained in our minds, isn't it? And the Holy Spirit asked me, are you going to read about prayer? and listen to people talk about prayer, or are you actually going to pray? Are you actually going to pray? That's, I heard his voice in my spirit. Now, I'm no, I'm no dummy. I'm not the smartest guy around. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. But I know this. When God asks you a question, it's, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. When God asks a question, how do you reply? You do what Ezekiel said. Thou knowest, Lord. <laughs> Don't. It's not that God doesn't know the answer when he asks you a question. He was asking me that question lovingly, wonderfully, kindly rebuking me to let me know I needed to correct something in my life. Here I was, 25 years old, grown up in church, knew I had a call of God on my life at that time, but uh, not pursuing it like I should have been. And here I am, I'm not praying like I should be. And so that day, I vowed to pray to God every day. And I had a personal vow that I have of a certain amount or a goal of a certain amount of time that I pray every day. Now, in that time, coming up on seven or six and a half years of that time, I've hit that goal. I may have missed that personal goal of time I've set to pray maybe a dozen times. 
But I got so convicted in my heart because I knew the power of prayer, but I was not accessing the power of prayer. It would be no different than having $10 million in your checking account, which don't keep that much money in your checking account. If you have that much money, it needs to be invested in things. Uh, you're just losing by, because of inflation. Anyways, this isn't a finance show though, is it? If you had ten access to $10 million, but yet you live like a beggar, Think about that. Knowing about the power of prayer, yet not engaging in prayer, is like having riches and wealth stored up, but you never access them. And you live hand to mouth as a beggar on a street corner. Learning about prayer, but not putting what you learn about prayer into practice, will not make you a prayer of effectual fervent prayers that availeth much. The first step to powerful prayers is to pray. Simple enough. But think about it. How often do we do this? You can look in area finances. You may know it's important for you to save for a rainy day. You may know you should invest for the future. You may know that you should live on less than you make. You may know that you should avoid debt. And if you have it, pay it off and get rid of it because you're just making other people wealthy. You may know that, but until you discipline yourself to act on those principles, it's not producing in your life. Another good example. Two things that we deal with every day, our body and money. Body example. I may know that any form of dieting or lifestyle change, which is really the best way to get healthy, right? To make a, I'm gonna change and be healthy, not just I'm gonna lose some weight to look good at summertime, whatever. But understand this, you may know that it's basically just a mathematical equation and you can pick, well, I want to do keto, I want to do high fat, low carb, high carb, low fat, I, I want to do paleo diet, I want to, you know, Weight Watchers, whatever. But it, when it all at the end of the day, it's just the calories coming in has to be less than the calories your body needs for a certain amount of time so that you can reduce the extra weight that your body has stored up in the form of fat and burn those calories off. And over time, you will lose weight. It's a mathematical equation. It's not rocket science. But I can know it and never take action on it, and it won't change my body. It won't change my body composition. It won't make me healthier. And I can know about prayer, but if I don't do something with what I know, it will not produce Bible results. Because Bible results comes by faith, and faith must have action. Faith must have action. We saw that yesterday. If there's no works attached to faith, if there's no action attached to your faith, it's not even faith. It's dead. And dead things, dead trees don't produce living fruit. That's the first hurdle I saw. So everything that you've learned up to this point, if you're joining me today and you haven't, you've missed some, go back, listen to it. It's important to learn. Understand it's important to learn. It's important to study the Word of God. It would be no different than reading the Bible. It's good. You should have a daily habit of, of reading your Bible. What is it? 3.2 chapters a day, and you can read your Bible through in a year? Um, I guess it would be my great-grandmother and her Bible. She just has all these records of reading the Bible through every year for years upon years upon years upon years. And that, that gave her a life filled with the goodness of God. It's a good thing. It is a good thing to daily discipline yourself with some spiritual activities, reading the Word, 
prayer, listening to teaching like you're doing right now. You could be doing anything in the world you want to do right now, listening to whoever you want to listen to, but you're on here listening about prayer. But don't stop there. Put it to practice. Put it to practice in your life because you can learn something, but that knowledge is not power until you act on that knowledge. It is not powerful until you act on that knowledge. The second hurdle I want you to see that I saw, the second hurdle to answered prayer is mental assent. Hey, Laura, love you. Mental assent rather than action. Let's turn to James chapter 122. Put that in the comment section. Mental assent. A-S-S-E-N-T. Mental assent. James chapter 1, we're in James 5. Just a few, a few pages over, James chapter 1, verse 22. James chapter 1, verse 22. Mental assent rather than action. Type in the comment section, mental assent. A-S-S-E-N-T. Now, what is mental assent? Mental assent is to agree in your thoughts and your mind, but not allow that thought to have effect on your life. You know, you can have something on the front of your mind for a time. Think about this. <clears throat> We've probably done this. You probably, I know I've done it in school. You learn something for the sake of the test. I did it in high school. I did it in college. I, I did it, uh, you know, I, I feel like the more classes you have at one time, you're almost required to learn just for the sake of taking the test. You know, it would be different if you had one class for 30 days. I think that would actually be the best way in higher learning for sure. Like, if you're going to take eight classes, take one class for 30 days, for six hours, whatever. Immerse yourself in that subject. Let it get down into you. Become second nature and then move on to something else. But anyway, uh, as I did this all the time in school. I learned the knowledge I got the information off the page in my brain for a time. But it didn't change me or affect me. I had it there just long enough to pass the test. Just long enough to pass the test. And that's, there's no difference with this in that, the way I did that testing is no different than with the Word of God that we have been, that's been given to us. If it's just up here, if it's just in the brain, we do renew our mind. Understand it needs to get in your thoughts. But if the word just stays up here in your thoughts, but never gets down in your heart so that it can renew your mind and change your actions, it's not done what is necessary. It is not done, it is not accomplished what God's intent is for the word. James chapter 1 verse 22 but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Verse 23, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, is, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Think about that. 
And back to this school example, what is the best way? And teachers will tell you this. Professors told me this. Teachers told me this. I didn't take their advice lots of times, unfortunately. <laughs> but, but, but I've applied it in my life now. If you want to learn something, do it every day. You know, I do that with guitar. Well, you know, I want to learn some jazz chords. I can spend four hours one night just learning jazz chords, and maybe at the end of four hours I've gotten better. But if I never go back and practice it again, Come back a week later, I won't be able to punch them at all. Come back a week later, and I won't be able to punch them at all. I won't be able to get you know get my fingers right. I'll forget what the chords were. Maybe I can make it, but I, is that a C major seven or was it a C major added nine? I you know won't be able to remember, and I'll have to go through the process all over again. But now, if I take just thirty minutes a day and do it every day, it gets beyond my fingers into my muscle memory and beyond my muscle memory into my head, and beyond my head down in me, so that when I'm hearing things, oh, I see what they're doing. Oh, I can do that. I can pick up with that. And then you see these guys who can just ab-lib all these amazing guitar solos and play all this music by themselves. They walk into a music shop and they take a guitar off. Oh, this is pretty cool. And they're playing it. And you know, you're just sitting there with your jaw on the floor because how, how good they are. But it wasn't because they binge-watched YouTube tutorials for 16 hours and there they were. It is a life. The Word of God's no different. The James, uh, the Apostle, Paul, uh, Apostle James, by the Holy Spirit, saying right here, it would be no different. The Word of God is no more powerful than the mirror on your wall. Think about that. The mirror on your wall and the Word of God has the same amount of power. And what is the limitation of that power? Based on how you use it. My mirror will do nothing for me if I don't look into it. Now, me looking in the mirror helps me see what needs to be changed. But if I don't change what needs to be changed, comb my hair, shave my face, wash myself, if I don't use the mirror to change my appearance, the mirror has had no effect in my life. The Word of God is like a mirror. If I, if I look into the Word of God, the perfect law of liberty, and do not continue in it, and I am a forgetful here, then it's had no effect. But if I look into the perfect law of liberty, the Word of God, continue in it, use it to change my life. Lord, I want, I want, to, I want to mirror what your Word says. Lord, I want this to, I want me, I want to reflect what your words say. If you do that, if you allow the word to change you, then you're blessed in what you do. You're blessed in your prayer life. Hey, Miss Beverly, good to see you on Facebook. And when we pray, we can't have mental assent that does not transpire into action. You know, we talked about that yesterday, action steps in prayer. All those things we talk about, talked about the past I guess it was two days, wasn't it? Monday and Tuesday. We broke it up into two parts. If you do not allow the commands of Scripture to put you in a place of acting on the Word in prayer, then that's a hurdle to prayer. If prayer, if your prayer life is just all up here as a good thought and it passes as quickly as it came, think about that. Have you, you, know, you don't have to show me in the comments. Don't, don't, don't squeal on yourself. But maybe you've been like me. And I'll admit, there have been some times where I felt so passionate about something. And I took it to God in prayer. 
And I mean, I fer, you know, I feel like I'm fervently praying. I'm praying about this thing. I'm, I'm bringing it before the Lord. Hallelujah. And then next day I pray about it a little bit, but then maybe a day or two goes by and I remembered, oh, that massive thing I've been praying for. It's been three days since I've prayed about that. I need to go back to it. And, and what was at one time, this massive burning, ah, I'm going to pray this thing through. You know, I'm believing God. Four days later, I've forgotten about it. Well, what happened? It was just up here. It was surface level. It hadn't got down in the heart. I did not keep it in front of my eyes, in my ears, and continue with before it. And so in prayer, you have to actually take action on the Word of God. Now, this look at what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21, verse 28. Jesus gives this parable of the two sons. Jesus says this, But what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son... Go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will. Or excuse me, he answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he regretted it and he went. So the first son says, I'm not going to work in your vineyard. But then after he gets convicted, he says, okay, I'll go. And he goes. Verse 30. Then he came to the second son and said likewise. And he answered. The second son said, I go, sir. Yes, sir, I'll go right away. But he did not go. So he said the right words, but he didn't take the action. Yeah, I'll go. Sure thing, Pops. I'll go. Yes, sir. But he didn't go. Verse 31. Which of the two did the will of his father? And they replied to Jesus, the first one. Jesus said to them, Surely I say to you that tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. He's talking to these Pharisees, these Sadducees, these religious rulers who were dead and had no true relationship with God, but man, they could spout out the rules and regulations. They could speak the law and then all the laws they added on top of it. Many of the laws that Jesus rebukes them about are things the Pharisees added on top of it. But they had such this hierarchical system of making money and oppressing people through religious add-ons to the true word of God. Now, they could rehearse things. They, could, they, they told Jesus that. Why are you healing that man? It's the Sabbath, right? Well, the law of the Sabbath was in their mouth, not in their heart. Because Jesus says, hey, you, if you're walking outside and it's the Sabbath and your ox, your prize ox who tills your fields is in the ditch, you'll pull him out. And God said, that's okay. But you won't let, you think it's wrong that I've healed this man or this daughter of Abraham? See, they were good at speaking it, but it wasn't in the heart level. And who is the son that did what the father actually asked them? The one who took action. Even though he said, I won't do it, he changed his ways and went and did it. But the one said, yes, hallelujah, praise the Lord, I'll answer the call. He didn't do it. And at the end of the day, the one that actually did what the father asked is the obedient son. So don't allow just a thinking, a mental ascent, to be a hurdle in your prayer life. Now, you might think this is a, is a little bit about the same thing, but I want, you to, I want you to see the difference. The third one is not, the third hurdle I want us to see is not absorbing the word. Put that in the comment section. Not absorbing the word. Now, of course, this is a hurdle. We want to absorb the Word of God in our hearts. But this third hurdle to answered prayer is not 
absorbing the word. Not absorbing the word. Matt, uh, we're in the book of Matthew, but Matthew 13, verse 19, Jesus is teaching this parable, uh, the parable of the sower. And he talks about, you know, this sower went out to sow the word. And he's throwing out, casting out seed. It's no different right now. Right now I'm sowing word. I'm casting out seed across Facebook and YouTube and Instagram. I'm throwing seed out. So those, those that have ears to hear, let them hear, as Jesus said. And he says this sower goes out to sow the word. And he's throwing out seed all along all these different types of um, ground. And we know there's four different types of ground. There was a rocky pathway. There was a place that was trampled down. There was a place that was filled with thorns. And there was a place uh, that was good ground that actually took in the seed. There were four types of people, people that rejected, people that had it, but then they, did, they experienced tribulation and they wouldn't hold on to it. People that had the word, but they gave it over for the lust and cares of this world. And then the last folk are people who hear it and receive the word of God. Now notice this, Matthew 13, 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. Jesus is making the point here, and he, he says in 13.9, or excuse me, 13.19, anyone who hears the word but doesn't understand it, even though it was sown in the heart, Satan snatches the word away. So what is Satan's first priority when you hear the word? Think about this. If Satan is as 1 Peter 5 tells us, walking about like he is in a roaring lion. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Satan is a counterfeit. He walks around like a roaring lion. He just makes a bunch of noise. And he has no authority in the life of the believer other than what we give him. And I'm not going to give him any. Amen? I'm, it's going to be the same thing that Paul said. He has no lot in my life. Or Jesus said, Amen. That, that the ruler of this earth has no lot in my life, in Jesus' name. And so he's walking around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The moment the word is sown, the last thing Satan wants, and the first thing you and I should want is to absorb it in our heart, to allow the word to get deep down in our heart. You know, Proverbs 4 tells us that, right? We are to guard our heart. For out of it is the wellspring of life or the issues of life. If we keep our heart right, if the heart's right on our, if we get everything right on the heart level, everything else will fall into place. Because out of the heart spring up the issues of life. The wellspring of life comes out of the heart. If my heart is not single, unified with God, neither will anything else in my life be. If my heart's unstable, so will everything else in my life be. So we have to get the word into our heart. Now think about this. I'm sure you've heard this before. Joshua 1.8, and for all the you know, Gospel Tabernacle folks, you, you've heard this a bunch of times. But Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, here is the key to success. Joshua 1.8, But this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate, think about it, mutter it, rehearse it to yourself, ponder it, pray it, 
Act on it. Meditate in it day and night, continually, that you may observe to do. Put it to action according to all that is written in it. For then, after you've meditated, after the word's gotten in your heart, after you take action on it, then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. If the word doesn't get into the heart level, I can't take action on it. I can't take action on it. I, I won't be able to allow the effects of the word to come to pass in my life. I actually stifle the power of the word of God because it is a seed. The word of God is like a seed. And if it's not sown in good ground, it doesn't produce fruit. Notice this, 1 Timothy 4.15. Meditate on these things, Paul said to Timothy. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Meditate on the Word. Give yourself entirely over to the Word of God. Everything, give your, every, every part of your life, your, your relationships, your thoughts, your words, your actions, your money, your health, your peace, your love, your joy, everything, your job, your family, your house, Everything. Give it to the Word of God. It, commit to do everything by the way the Word tells us and instructs us. And then our progress will be evident to all, including our prayer life. Let's pray to the Word of God. Let's pray according to the Word of God. Fourth hurdle. Hope rather than faith. Put that in the comment section. Hope rather than faith. Hope rather than faith faith. The fourth hurdle I see to answered prayer is having hope rather than faith. Now, there is a righteous Bible hope. Hope, you know, we are to have hope. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. We are to have hope. There is Bible hope. In fact, Romans 15, Romans 15, 13, now may the God of hope, the God we serve, is the God of hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we are to have hope. But understand this. In order to have answered prayer, you have to pray in faith, not in hope. What are the things that we are scripturally commanded to hope for? Well, we have a blessed hope in Christ Jesus that whether I die and go by the grave or I'm raptured with the snatching away of the church from the earth, either way, I have a hope that I'll see Jesus because he's my Lord. I've made Jesus Lord of my life and I have a blessed hope in him right? You've been to funerals of believers, and oftentimes uh, the scripture that's read is that we do not sorrow like other people sorrow, unbelievers sorrow, because we have a hope. We know that that believing saint that has passed away, we will see them again. We have a hope. We have a hope for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know he will come. We have a hope for the, the fulfillment of prophecy. We know it will take place because God said it would and he will not allow his word to return void to him. We have a hope of the new heavens and new earth. We have a hope of things that are to come. But when you're praying to God, you pray 
by faith. You pray in faith. You don't hope for healing. You don't hope for provision. You do not hope for the things that God has said is your covenant rights. You have rights by the purchased with the precious blood of Jesus. And your Father in heaven wants to, wants more. God has a greater desire to give us what we have need of more than our desire is to ask. You might say, man, I've got a desire to ask though. I'm telling you, whatever your fervent desire is to see the will of God come to pass in your life, in your family, in your church, in your nation, that God's desire is even greater. And he's just ready to pour it out. But we receive those things by faith. We're in Romans. Uh, if we turn just a few books over to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, you know, this is a hallmark scripture. Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Notice that. Faith is the substance. Faith is the substance, the realization, the confidence, the title deed of things hoped for. Faith is. Faith is now. Hope is in the future. Mem your memory is in the past. Your faith is today and hope is reserved for the future. When you go to God, you go, what did we read? Every day, Mark eleven twenty four, 24. And when you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive. Believe that you receive. And you'll have what you've asked of. How do you get what you have, what you ask of? You believe you receive it. It's mine now in Jesus' name. I believe the finished work of the cross of Christ has purchased that for me. I believe the resurrection power of Jesus has, is bringing that reality into my life in Jesus' name. And we have faith in prayer, not hope. Hope can be a hurdle. If you put what is for today, the same way with salvation, well, praise the Lord, I'm just hoping and believing God's going to save me one day, you'll never be saved. Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, today is the day of salvation. Today is. Not tomorrow. Today. I'm hoping and believing God's going to save me. He won't. You have to believe today that Jesus is your Lord Then you receive salvation. And it's no different with any other promise from God. We believe it's ours now. The fifth thing, put this in the comment section. Praying for faith. Praying for faith faith. Praying for faith. <clears throat> Romans chapter 10 verse 17. Plainly put, we don't pray for faith. We do not pray for faith. We do not pray for faith because faith comes by hearing. Romans chapter 10 verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You want faith in God? Hear the word of God. But praying for faith, Lord, give me more faith. That's a hurdle to answered prayer. That is a hurdle. That's something you're going to have to eventually get past in order to get your prayer answered. Praying for faith. Lord, if I just had more faith, I know you would do it. You don't need more faith. You need to use the faith you have. You have faith. The Bible says unto every man God's given the measure of faith. Everyone has the measure of faith. Everyone has the ability to believe in God and what he has said. If you didn't have that ability, that means some people could get saved and some people can't. But that's not the case. 
God has made the made it available, salvation to all, and everyone has the ability to believe. Notice what Jesus said. Luke 17, Jesus, he, he confronts this question. Luke 17, verse 5, the disciples say this, And the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith, Lord. Give us more faith, God. Give us more faith. Verse 6, So the Lord said, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Jesus is, what is Jesus' reply to the disciples? Lord, give us more faith. Lord, I'm asking, give me more faith, Lord. But Jesus' reply is, use the faith you've got. Because even if your faith is the size of a mustard seed, ooh, little, you can say to that tree, tree, be moved into the sea, and it will obey you. You don't need more faith. You just need to act on the faith you've got. You have faith. Now, can we grow our faith? Absolutely. When we act on the Word of God, our faith grows. When we hear the Word of God, our faith grows. When we're surrounded by Christians who are speaking to us the Word of God and we're hearing it, our faith grows. When we're sitting in church and we're hearing the pastor teach, when you're listening to broadcasts, when you have teaching playing on the Word of God, your faith's growing. When you're before God in the presence of the Lord, like we talked about, rehearsing His Word before Him, that's why I pray with an open Bible. Because I'm reading His Word back to Him. I'm putting Him in remembrance of His Word, like we talked about yesterday, Isaiah 43, 26. And when I'm doing that, I too am hearing the Word. It's not just the Lord hearing my prayer based on His Word. I'm hearing the Word, and it's building up my most holy faith. You don't need more faith. You just need to use the faith you have. And you can grow your faith. But it's not, you don't do it in the prayer room. You do it from the hearing and the teaching of the Word of God. And those words of Christ will build up your faith. Last one, the last hurdle in answered prayer, I want you to put in the comment section as we come cl close to the one o'clock hour. We're going to pray before we get off. I want you to put this in the comment section. Cares of the world. Cares of the world. Sixth hurdle to answered prayer cares of the world cares of the world we, we were just in matthew 13 where jesus is teaching on the parable of the sower <clears throat> and um oh, i'm in mark i was looking at i was looking at verse 13 thinking that is not correct the bible is incorrect here but i was in mark and not matthew and that's the problem when you're in the wrong book you'll find out real quick you can't find the verse you're looking for Matthew chapter 13, verse 22. Jesus, he talks about this one type of ground that when it receives the word, it allows these thorns to choke out the word. Even though the seed is trying to grow and it has life and power to grow, this ground is not being tended well. Someone's not tending to the garden. So thorns and weeds and brussels and thistles, or brussels, thistles, and brush is growing around it and choking out this plant that's growing, taking all its nutrition and water and choking it out. The thing it wants, the thing you want to grow can't because all this other stuff is stopping it from growing. And Jesus makes this point, Matthew 13, 22. Now he who received the seed among the thorns is the person who hears the word and the cares of this world 
and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, hey, just laziness, not approaching God in prayer, allowing the, and, and I, you know, I'm not saying, well, if you don't pray, uh, it's just because of being lazy, but you can't be lazy just, well, I don't want to pray. I, you, you can get that, well, or you can have this silly thought, oh, I've got too much stuff to do. No, you don't. You're not that busy. You're not that busy to go to God, but to not be able to go to your Father in heaven and pray. You're not so busy that you cannot talk to your Father who has saved you, who has set you free and delivered you, who has given you an instruction manual to live a blessed life and made a way for you to live in His presence, who can answer every question you have and give you a solution to any problem you may come across. You're not too busy to talk to that person. But if we allow the cares of this world to choke out the Word, we'll get to a point where our prayers won't get answered uh, because we've allowed the things of this world to make us unfruitful. This is why it's so important for you to filter everything that comes into your ears and your eyes through the filtration system of the Word. Filter everything through the Word of God. And don't overdose on news and social media. This is good social media, though. This is a good reason for it. And, and you know, sharing pictures, thing, having fun like that. But don't, don't allow things of the world to become so encumber you that it chokes the word out. Think about that. The power. We're going to talk about the power of the word, I believe. It might be tomorrow. But think about that. The powerful Word of God can be choked out of your life and become unfruitful if you give your heart over to the cares of the world. Don't do it. Do not do it. It is a hurdle too high to jump over. The deceitfulness of riches. God wants you wealthy. I fully believe it. He wants you blessed to have every need met in abundance so that you can be a blessing. Absolutely. But don't get so caught up in chasing dollars that you're no longer, your heart's no longer turned toward God. Don't get so caught up with the fear of man. What do people think of me? That you don't fear God. The cares of this world lead to destruction. And I don't want any part or any lot in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hey, I want us to pray. Before you get off with me today, and for the next few minutes, I want us to pray. We've been praying prayers. If you do have any prayer requests, put them in the comment section. I'm happy to pray with you. More than happy to. Uh, but you've been joining me every day for the past seven days. Today's day eight. And I want us to pray concerning, again, us, the church. We are the body of Christ. And I made the point yesterday that in the Bible, we're commanded to pray for one another. And I think we should daily pray for our church family. You know, many of us, we're church family. Some of you, a lot of y'all watching, you have different churches. You need to pray for your church family. We need to pray for our pastor and everyone that ministers in our church, from the nursery to preschool, children's church, the praise team, you know, deacon ministry, elders, uh, the hosting ministry, people that serve food, anybody in your church, you need to pray for them. You need to pray for the body of Christ in this city. We need to pray for many things, but specifically, I'm talking about the body of Christ. We need to pray for the body of Christ in our nation, 
so that we can see a reviving of the work of God in our nation. God's not done with America because I'm, I, re, I refuse to yield it over to Satan. There, there's a lot of wickedness that we see that takes place in this nation, but I believe in Jesus' name there's a mighty reviving work taking place in our nation. And what has been done once before, many times before, mighty moves of God in this nation. There'll be another great massive move from east to west coast in this nation and we'll see many people saved. Many people brought into the church and many people made into powerful disciples so that when we come to the end of time, we'll take many people with us to the kingdom of heaven. And that's my prayer. But we have to pray to see the church equipped and strengthened. You and I, strengthened and equipped. And equipped. I want us to pray. John 17, 17. John, uh, Jesus is praying for us in the Lord's Prayer. John 17, 17. He's praying to the Father about you and me. And he says this, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And I pray this particular scripture almost every day. And I always pair it with 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's pray for that. Let's pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, there be a sanctifying work in the body of Christ, in our church, to make sure that we are clean and all cares of this world have been severed so that we can have our eyes focused on the things of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come before you, Lord, and I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you this is the day that you have made, and we rejoice and we're glad in it, Lord. I thank you for each and every member that's watching the broadcast right now, that's listening to the replay, that's listening to the podcast, Lord. In Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you that you have set them apart, that you have set them on high, that you have brought them out of the murk and the mire, and you have set their feet on solid ground, the rock Christ Jesus, Lord. In Jesus' name, Lord, let a special blessing hit them today in a way they've not expected, Father God, for they desire your kingdom, and they seek you and your righteousness first, Father. So anything they have need of, add it to them now, in Jesus' name. And Lord, we come together as a believing body of Christians, Lord God, as people, your children, called by your most holy name, Lord. We lift up our church, Lord. We lift up Gospel Tabernacle, this church. We lift up the church, the body of Christ in Lawrence City, in this county, in our nation, and the nations of the earth, Lord. Sanctify, in Jesus' name, the people of God. Sanctify us by your word, Father. Sanctify us by the truth, Holy One. Let us be separate and set apart for a holy work. Vessels of gold and silver and precious stones, Lord God. Let there be no stain on, of sin or even the spotting of sin on the holy garments you have given us, Lord. Let us have a clean break and a completely cut ties with sin, the cares of this world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the mind, or the pride of life, Lord. Let Satan have no lot or part in our lives or in our churches, Lord. Let the pulpits across this nation, Lord, Lord, 
that profess the name of Christ be strengthened, Father God, by the sanctifying work of your word and by the Holy Spirit, Lord. And if there be any people, Father, that have aligned themselves with wickedness but are like wolves in sheep's clothing in the church, Lord, let them be exposed, Father God. For the word of God, a two-edged sword, cuts apart from joint to marrow, revealing the deep secret things and the discerning of thoughts, Father God. If there's any hidden evils in our church, Lord God, any hidden, hidden evils in the body of Christ, Lord, let it be quickly exposed and removed and severed in Jesus' name, lest many might fall into false doctrine and fall away into deception and their souls be eternally damned, Lord God. We pray in the name of Jesus for a sanctifying work, Lord. Spirit, soul, and body. Lord, let our bodies be holy. Let our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions be holy unto you. And let our spirit be filled with the power of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. I'm thankful for you. Join me. Hey, tonight at 7 p.m. we have adult Bible study. It's going to be streamed. And I'm going to be teaching tonight. I'm going to continue. I've been studying this for two weeks. So I'm going to continue teaching on prayer. And tonight I'm going to talk about something, hindrances to answered prayer. You might think, well, you just talked about hurdles. Hindrances is something totally different. And I hope you join me tonight, 7 p.m. tonight, we're going to continue talking about prayer. When you pray, we're going to talk about hindrances to answered prayer because we're praying to get an answer. Amen. And I'm thankful that you join me. Hey, Matt, I hope you and Ashley are doing well, feeling great. All right. I love y'all. Thank you so much for joining me today. I pray you have an awesome day. Join me tonight and, of course, Thursday and Friday, 12 p.m., we're going to continue to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about the power of the Word and the power of the mighty name of Jesus Christ. All right. Hey, Lord bless you. I'll see you soon. God bless. Hey, I want to say thank you for joining me on this episode of Faith for My Generation podcast channel. Please do us a favor. Leave a five-star review. It helps us get this message of the gospel and the word of God out in front of more people. It really does help. And until next time, remember, we are the faithful. God bless.